that used to be a thing I did. Oh my God, how have I ever gotten laid? <laughs> how? How? And welcome, everybody, to episode 38 of Digesting Cinema with Aaron and Christina. I'm your host, Aaron, and as always, I'm here with my fellow host, Christina. And this week, it's a mystery what the theme is. I'm not saying it's a mystery what the theme is. The theme is mystery. The movie we have selected is Shutter Island, directed by the Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, Scorchese. I've heard all those pronunciations. Uh, released in 2010. But before we dive much more into this movie, let's swim on over to our fellow host, Christina. Check in. How are you doing today? Welcome to the island. I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to be on this island with you. It seems much better than the actual Shutter Island. That seemed pretty sketch. Yeah. This movie, uh, I'll just say right off the bat, was made for theories. So I'm actually going to probably have less theories uh. this episode than most episodes. I, no, no, this is good news for you. I'm go- I have actually less theories than usual here. But either way, this is a great movie to digest for sure. And I'm definitely interested to hear your thoughts. I think this is a an interesting one coming off of Hitchcock week. Definitely the fingerprints of Hitchcock are on this movie. But before we get into that, let's go over to our IMDb synopsis, our favorite part with Christina. I mean, this is good, I think, this synopsis. I'm okay. giving it a three before I even read it out loud. Okay. In 1954, a U.S. Marshal investigates the disappearance of a murderer who escaped from a hospital for the criminally insane. I like it. This might be one of my favorite synopsises. Uh, I think a three is criminally low. Uh, I'm going to give this a four. I like that it gives the year. That's real nice. That's just, I love specifics like that. I wish it would have told me it took place in Boston or just off of the coast in an island in Massachusetts. Uh, That maybe is just a personal bias of mine though. Bunny, if you're listening, what's up? Uh, What's up, Yeah, (laughs) that's the first time I've simped on an episode. So props (laughs) to me for making it at least like 10 episodes before doing that. But that sums it up. This was your first viewing of Shutter Island. I just want to clarify that this is my 31st viewing of Shutter Island, probably. Not probably a surprise to anybody, honestly, that I've watched this movie multiple times. So maybe that's why some of my theories are theories, but I don't even identify them as theories anymore. I'm just like, these are the results. These are the facts. Yeah, I have investigated this more than Teddy. But yeah, what were your kind of thoughts going into this movie? Had you heard much about Shutter Island? I feel like it's one of those 2010s movies that was big when it came out for like when it was in the theater, like at least decently big. And then it kind of disappeared and then showed back up as like streaming services had picked it up, but never like hit that like sixth sense level or like. I feel like I always avoided this movie just because I just thought it was a scary movie. And I mm-hmm. just don't like scary movies. So I thought this was going to be more of a horror film. And like there were definitely freaky parts to it, but it was nowhere near like actually scary. No, it's like it's, I waited so long to watch it. Yeah. Well, we'll see what that means as we go on here. I'm interested if that's a positive or a negative there. But, you know, hopefully that's a positive. I've rewatched this movie a lot. I do have a positive view of this movie. I, I'll get that out of the way because I do have a lot of positives to say and a lot of things that I still really wonder about with this movie and that I think I'll forever wonder about. But 
let's just kind of jump into it right from the beginning. Let's talk about the first thing that I'm wondering about. What does Leonardo DiCaprio's accent really sound like in real life? Because this man always sounds different in every movie he (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Like if I were friends and I just like called him up, what would he sound like? Because... Uh, Hello, Leonardo here. Right. I'm like, I need to go back and like watch his best uh, actor speech and just be like, is this what you actually sound like? Or were you also acting here? Like, is this fake? Is this an accent? I mean, I'm what I'm hoping it sounds like is similar to what's eating Gilbert Grape when he's crying at the end. It's just kind of screeching and like, he's just got like a, like he's just really whiny. So he always has to really augment his voice to like, just prevent anybody. No one can know. I'll never get a role again. So we'll find out. We'll have Leo on the podcast. We'll ask him. That's what I just wanted to start real quick. That's my biggest mystery so far. Very mysterious. Uh, I agree. So we start with first shots of i believe the first shot is of leo looking at himself in the mirror and saying like pull it together teddy after puking into the toilet and just being like god pull yourself together and there's you know i'm just gonna be as i'm making some observations make them through my observations of rewatching this so i noticed right away with the reflection it's definitely a shaky image and not just of like a boat tipping back and forth also it seems that throughout the presence and absence of water is very telling in certain scenes with this movie. So uh, it's interesting that he starts on the water and the view of the water makes him puke. But we get to, as they're approaching the island. Right, but at this point, you're just thinking he's seasick. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're watching this for the first time, I think that would be an interesting way to kind of go about as we're going through. We're not going to go scene by scene, but as we're going through the scenes, how about you describe them from your perspective first? And then I kind of describe what my perspective was rewatching it. That might be a better way to do it. Yeah, that sounds fun. Okay, Let's cool. Do that. All right. So we're approaching the island now. Mark Ruffalo is there with Teddy is the name of Leonardo DiCaprio's character. And he's like an infamous U.S. Marshal, according to Mark Ruffalo's character right away. So and they're approaching the island. It looks like a creepy, insane asylum island with like the guards yeah. all very on guard all armed heavily yeah like crazy people in the gardens like whispering and yelling like just yeah like the one chick mm-hmm. why 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 here's my thing where i'm like why do we always have to make crazy people seem like they're so scary because i think this is like why people have an issue like seeking help for mental illnesses because like you're always portrayed in the media as this scary crazy person i think this is a huge point of the movie though i mean and it's ingrained in a lot of the dialogue even when teddy leonardo dicaprio's character is talking about his attitudes towards the mentally insane where it's brought up like with the doctor the doctor's talking about trying to figure out humane treatments when they're even looking around the wall and they're like we used to just throw them in cages and smear them and think that we could just slap it out of them lobotomies are brought up in this movie obviously a practice that's pretty much been completely refuted scientifically at this point as a humane treatment for individuals with mental discourse i think that's a huge point of the movie in it we're not sure how much of this is really real or not real and i'm not sure how i think that bleeds in quite a bit on the first watch doesn't it 
you can kind of like once he starts having his visions, you're like, right. okay, so now I don't know what I can necessarily believe about him. But I thought it made it pretty clear like his visions definitely weren't real. Like they all had some weird background. Like it felt to me that the movie was trying to show you that his visions are not real, but everything that's happening on the island is real. So when you see yeah. him on the island interacting with people, that is real. That's what's actually happening. And then he has visions on top of that. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. So I think that is interesting because I think I pretty much had the same view the first time I saw this. And it does, I think, prevent some people from really liking this movie because this is like stereotypical mental health hospital island with like gate. But on the gate, I could said something to the effects of remember the stories of those who are here. Listen to them like they're people, too. Something to that effect. I didn't write down exactly what, but it's something to the effect of like, don't just toss these people away. Don't just shoot them. Don't just, you know, punish them for their illnesses. It's not their fault. And then when we see by the end, the circumstances for Teddy, I mean, he's a prisoner of this island. It's revealed by the end of the movie by the doctor. He's number 67. He's the one that's being looked at here. And, you know, it's just that it's, it's one of these things where then he has to kind of look at himself and be, you know, it's like, is it worse to live long enough to realize you're a villain or die, you know, die a hero. It's the like last line in the movie is him saying, is it worse to die young, a hero or live long enough to be a villain and realize you're a monster. And it's just like, it's definitely on purpose though. I think that it's portrayed in that stereotypical way. And I think that it's an homage to a lot of older movies for sure. Throughout kind of the noir detective feel is definitely there throughout with um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, especially so. Yeah. I think like, Obviously, when we watch Hitchcock, I mean, I know we both just watched a bunch of it. So, like, Hitchcock just had, and I think it's also just movies of that era where it's just, like, they have this, like, very subtle charm to them mm -hmm. that I think more modern movies just don't have. And I think that's also with, like, because of audience, like, our attention span just isn't quite the same. So everything needs to be just shock value. And, like, you know, there was no reason for that woman to, like, have crazy eyes and, like, look that she's shushing at him other than mm -hmm. just, like, to freak out the audience a little bit. It's, like, oversaturated to get right. like it was just a little bit like too much even I mean, if it's by design to be too much it wasn't subtle enough with it, it and that's just like my critique of just seeing mm -hmm. like hitchcock was obviously like a mastermind like there's you know i don't know if anyone will ever do it as well as he did right with, with the, the limitations he had too right so it's i just think that as movie making progress, I think sometimes we just get so much in our faces and there's so much shock value instead of just letting things be a little bit more subtle, letting things play out. And like twists can still be there and they can still have that same effect on you without having like all this other mumbo jumbo happening, which is, I think just, I think all modern movies do that now. It's everything's just too in your face. What's happening to you right now is what happens to everybody when they start going back to the classics. You realize why they're classics and I don't want to say ruin modern movies but they make it a little bit tougher because you just really do realize i mean my favorite decade of films is 70s movies just because there was not a limitation on the creativity and subtlety was allowed and just the fact that filmmakers were very okay with people not getting their work and that's where this does feel like a throwback to that while being in a little bit of a 2010 skin still in those ways so i acknowledge that critique for sure we get to where the marshals have to give up their guns to come into the facility. And, you know, Teddy is hesitant at first, but gives up his gun. And then Chuck, that, that's a good name because I believe it's like Dr. Charles something, which I'll look up yeah. in a second. But uh, Chuck has trouble 
getting his gun out of his holster. The camera's very focused on that. Like, if we know anything about cops, we know they don't have trouble withdrawing their firearms. Sorry, a little dark, but this is a Shutter Island episode, so, oh well, I apologize. But he's fumbling around with it, and he eventually just takes off his whole holster and gives it to him, which I think even the first time, maybe I'm looking back at it, but did you notice that? Did you think that was weird? Or were you kind of not? No, because I felt like... He just seemed very unsure and weird. To me, it seemed, especially in the beginning, it very much seemed like... Leonardo DiCaprio was like the lead guy and that it kind of, and that Mark Ruffalo was like his, you know, sidekick, maybe like newer to the job and was like, you know, he always kept calling him boss. Like it made it clear that like, like the legend Teddy or whatever. Right. So it just kind of made it seem like maybe it was like the veteran and the rookie. So like, he was just so nervous. Like that is just like one more. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely something that if I didn't notice, I've definitely noticed it on the rewatches and it's just, the guard waiting for the gun looks like impatient. It's just like essentially to me what all of the people working at this mental health asylum are other than the patients are it's like they're theme park workers working like an attraction where they have to play their role. It shows up like throughout the movie. Well, I'll point out in a few other scenes as we move forward, but here it's like, he's just like waiting to get the holster so he can like move on. Like he wishes he could just tell Chuck to keep his gun because he's like, you're a doctor here. Like, I don't have to worry about you. But finally gets it and they're going in. Did they get to Max von Sydow? Which by the way, another Max von Sydow movie. I know. And I literally, I'm like, God, another JV Christopher Plummer. Yikes. Again, respect for the great Max von Sydow. Yeah, Uh, this is when... Because no, I think we meet Ben King- Kingsley first, but I think yeah. one of the big things where we start to see Leonardo DiCaprio is don't they call out Max von Sydow for being German? And yeah, then he starts going right. into this whole thing about like how he fought in the war, so this guy must be a Nazi, and it's like this. Well, it's 1954, thing. so there's a very heavy theme throughout of like Leonardo DiCaprio being convinced this is like a not secret Nazi research facility, basically. Yeah, and like he's gonna bust this whole case here of like the secret and Dr. John Cawley is Ben Kingsley's character in the movie. And yeah, Mark Ruffalo is Chuck and yeah, we got Chuck and Teddy great names for sure. But you know, it's uh, and then Dr. John Cawley. Yeah. And they, and then Dr. Jeremiah Nehring is uh, Max von Sydow's character and definitely Hints that he's a Nazi, former Nazi scientist, at least. I mean, after the war in Operation Paperclip, we did bring over the best scientist from Nazi Germany to work for us. Founder of NASA is a former Nazi scientist. So, you know, he wasn't a Nazi himself, apparently. But either way, I think that's kind of just playing into the paranoia that a U.S. Marshal maybe would have at this point about, because I believe Max von Sydow, when they're having their argument, even says something to the effect of, I'm here legally. And like, just kind of, is there a problem with legal immigration? In that same breath, in that conversation, Teddy's continuing to reveal a lot of hostility, a lot of darkness in a lot of ways, including about mentally ill people saying they don't deserve this much thought. And, you know, we should just be getting rid of these people who are useless members of society, like essentially saying, kill them, like don't treat them. Well, these people specifically were criminals also. Yep. So like they criminally weren't, insane. they weren't, yeah, they were criminally insane. So it was, it's a little bit different than just saying that they're, you know, mental health patients, you know, they are murderers. It's still, I mean, it's still, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a, but they're, yeah, definitely, they're still human definitely, yeah, he's definitely pro capital punishment, Teddy. 
And so, yeah, like we get kind of some details and they start to reveal the reason why they're really there. And it's for a missing patient who was named Rachel Solando and she had drowned her kids and that's why she was there. And she had escaped from this incredibly secure island where it's like covered in like rigid basically yeah yeah, exactly it's there's one way off it there's like heavy storms often like rising tides like it's an impossible place to escape from especially with no help so teddy is immediately questioning everybody like everybody's a suspect teddy the whole institution is suspect to him why does this even exist why aren't they just killing these crazy people why are they even wanting to treat them they committed crimes. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time, which is killing them to Teddy in a lot of ways. So, like, but he's like, someone from this facility had to have helped her to get out of here. Like, she couldn't have gotten out of here on her own. Right. And so then he kind of begins the investigation segment of the movie. And so, do you want to get to the cafeteria or is there anything before the cafeteria scene with the... But I, I guess it's also good to know that he is struggling with seeing his dead wife. And at this point, we think that his dead wife was murdered by somebody who like lit their apartment on fire. Yeah, Teddy had a very, very elaborate story revolving around fire about what happened to... You know, again, from my rewatch point of view... The dichotomy between how fire is viewed in this movie and how water is viewed. Water is Teddy's absolute enemy. He will do anything not to see or observe water because of what it triggers. And we find out in like one of the most horrific final scenes in a movie. And also, strangely, like two of the last three weeks, we've had drowning children in our movies with Max von Sydow. Minority Report and now this both had Max von Sydow. And drowning children involving the mother. That is like quite a connection. My brother does a podcast called Movie Ladder Podcast. And every week they connect the movie from the previous week to something. And it can be anything from like John Williams did the score to movie about people doing it in a train bathroom. There's our connection, strangely, between Spielberg and this movie is uh, drowning children and mothers in water. So... Yeah, Teddy throughout is like avoiding water and there's like really strange moments. You know, we'll get to the cafeteria scene in a minute, but the woman who takes a drink of the water without a glass in her hand and it shows her just mimicking drinking water with no glass in her hand. Then she puts down an empty glass. That is how much Teddy is avoiding dealing with water because when he deals with water, it triggers what we see at the end of the movie. So just kind of, and it's throughout, and ironically, he's on an island surrounded by water. Right, and then we, he thinks right now, what we know as the audience, because again, we only know so far that he requested to come here for Mm -hmm. this case, for this Rachel Solando case, because the man that killed his wife is here, Mm -hmm. and he wants to seek his revenge. And that's up until now, this is what you think the twist is. This is what you think the plot is. Because they tell you he's here to investigate Rachel missing, but then you find out that no, Really, the man that murdered his wife is here and he's going to seek his revenge. And that's like what we think and is that's the twist yeah. of the movie. And it makes complete sense. Every single scene in this movie is from Teddy's perspective and Teddy is involved in the scene. Every right. single scene. So you are through his perspective and it is one of the biggest nods 
that so many filmmakers do to Hitchcock, which is the unreliable narrator. Uh, Hitchcock birthed this essentially for modern cinema. Maybe someone did it before, but I don't believe anybody did it like Hitchcock did. And how many times over the last 38 weeks have I brought up unreliable narrator, unreliable narrator. And sometimes it really works. And other times it's like, that's, I get that's what they're going for with that feels like a cop i mean we've had these conversations right. so once again we have an unreliable narrator that we don't know is unreliable at this point the brilliance of it is he's a u.s marshal he's got his shit together and like he's here to like pursue justice and like he has a tragic backstory like this is the story and now it's like right oh, he's also here with personal vendetta but it's a personal vendetta we can all get behind he killed this guy's family what a piece of shit right and that's when like you're just chalking it up to this guy has a tragic backstory this guy's a little bit of trauma but like and i and i just feel like the first time watch i wonder if the reason it feels a little off is because things are a little off like from the water thing to just they're really acting like over dramatic at points here and like or like cliche like a lot of the people there are actors i don't think any of the doctors are actors and max von cedar i believe is definitely a doctor and just like all of that but i mean there's just little clues throughout and then when you research it more it's kind of cool which one of the flashbacks here and we're just kind of kind of jump around here because this is digesting cinema and you know, it's like, we don't just come here to do a play-by-play here. One of the flashbacks Teddy has is in World War II when he's getting ready to kill the German general or whatever, and he's going to reach for his gun after he's been shot, the German general, to try to kill himself, and Teddy kicks it away to watch him suffer. The music in the background is by a Jewish composer, and it's from one of his very unknown pieces of work. So why would a Nazi general just be casually listening to like, which is like, it's a thing which again, it doesn't seem that weird, but it's like when you research it, it's like a clue there that if someone happens to be privy to that knowledge would notice. But if you're not, he's like a very famous Jewish composer. Like there's no way a Nazi would just be listening to during World War II, jamming out to the Jewish composer, like in his office, it's just not happening. And so like, there's just little things like that. And just that also add to the offness. And um, when they're searching for Rachel's on the cliff edge, if you look at all of the guards, none of the guards are really that into the search. It's because they're not searching for a real person. They're there to play a theatrical role for this guy's weird ass mental health treatment to try to get him to face his actual demons so it's like we don't know how many times they've been through this at this point to where they have to be like rachel rachel like (laughs) it's like so like you'll look in the background and there's like guys like sitting back on their hands like just like twiddling and it's like it's amazing that on the first watch it doesn't stand out but when you go back and watch you're like how did i not notice they don't get they're like playing with their shoes like they're not no one's looking like i i think the first time i knew something was off was when they made such a big deal that like there's no way anybody could escape they would definitely be dead like we have cliffs mm-hmm. and we have this and we have that and then just right. like later on they just like casually mentioned like oh by the way we found rachel yeah, yeah. Like, not yeah. even like a big deal it was just like later on leonardo DiCaprio was like so what, any update oh yeah like we found her hours ago she just like wandered back mm-hmm. yep and yeah I was and like, um this seems <laughs> sketch well, and he also thought it was sketch because it wasn't actually Rachel. It was someone pretending to be Rachel who right. they had in. So this is like how like many layers, it's like 
it's revealed at the end that this is like Teddy's really the 67th prisoner and he actually killed his family, blah, blah, blah. So that's all revealed. And we'll get to that in a second, of course. But basically what this is, is it they're playing out this mental health exercise for Teddy's character, who is Andrew Letty. That's actually who Teddy right. is. So they're playing this out for Teddy slash Andrew. And on top of that, inside of the simulation, have like a simulation of Rachel to make him think it's a like it's part of the treatment. Literally, is like to get him more paranoid to right. like face his actual demons, and then he eventually finds the actual Rachel in that little like cave that he somehow just conveniently like walks into. Like that's just like this little coven that they talk in for a little bit. Right, but even until now, like you're just thinking, okay, they. So Did you notice stuff. the water thing in the cafeteria with the woman no. when she picked up the glass? Because no, she literally, it, if you go back and watch the scene, like you don't even have to watch the rest of it, but like she's literally pretending to hold a glass and like drinking it. And then they show her putting it down with the glass, but the glass is empty now. So now Teddy's willing to see it when before he couldn't even look at a glass of water still. That's how little he was willing to face his own reality and how much he's buried himself in this story that he's a hero. He'd rather live and be a hero than know he's the monster he is and like you'd rather die a hero than live and be a monster it was very interesting because he's suffering with migraines they give him aspirin he like can't take it anymore he's like something's wrong like we can't be here like all the prisoners escape at one point and like everyone again is also very casual about this yep. and like they just walk out mark ruffalo leonardo dicaprio and that's when he finds this rachel and you're like okay this is where i'm like i would be the worst like in an any sort of like disaster i'm gullible as shit so yeah. like he Me needs too real Rachel now in the cave and she like lays it all out like I'm doctor mm -hmm. and then when I started asking too many questions like they took me prisoner and all this stuff so I was like oh my god the other chick I met was a decoy and like you're the real one and they've been holding you and then she basically convinces him that like if you can't get out of here like they're gonna use all of your past traumas against you people around you like well it makes sense he finally cracked because like he was a World War II veteran mm -hmm. his wife died like you know she's like they're gonna turn it against you like you're gonna be stuck here and I'm like oh my god like this is the twist of the movie. Like he needs to get out because these people are going to convince him. Yeah, he's, he's the hero insane. of the story. Yeah. Tragic hero from his. But then this chick was just like, yeah, I just like bounce around on this island. Like you'll never find me again because I just move around all the time. Which I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because <laughs> right. this is a heavily guarded island where it seems like there's very few places where people can and should be hiding. And survive for like weeks on end with like, how are you surviving? Right. And everything. Yeah, it's almost like it's delusions from a crazy person so do you think that part is part of the simulation that everybody was doing or do you think that was totally in his head totally in his head i think it was completely in his head to carry on the story that he is this world war ii veteran u.s marshal whose family was killed by andrew letty because no, even, even his conversation in the cave like do you think she is real or no. do you think that was a figment of his imagination yeah, she's definitely i don't think she's real at all I didn't think she was really there. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that continues to show up as they're trying to do these simulations, which often we think of simulations, we go to like matrix or computer, but this is a simulation done in the fifties when it's like the Truman show. That's what we're right. watching right now. It's pretty, it's a very dark version of the Truman show. Right. And you know, it's just when it gets revealed at the end, Teddy is convinced that everybody else is crazy and they're trying to make him think he's crazy. And right. that's a projection 
Rachel's just a projection of what Teddy wishes was the truth in order to resolve in him not being crazy, essentially. And, you know, it's just like the twist on the twist for me is what if he's right? What if this is actually true? And it's just like he's not crazy. And this was all actually how it was going down. And the design of this island really was to get him convinced he was. And yeah, it could have been it could have been the twist on the twist. It doesn't make as much sense to me, though. I really do believe that the main crux is that he had such a horrific discovery. So let's go. Do we want to get to the flashback at the water? I, well, even before that, so yeah, yeah, but, sure. like when they have like their big confrontation, you know, like where's my in, partner? In it, is it Tower C now? They're finally in or cell box. Yeah, so, yeah, like he's confronting Ben Kingsley, yeah. you know, where's my partner? I'm a U.S. Marshal, blah, blah, blah. Like, where's my gun? He even mm-hmm. tries to shoot him. And like in his brain, like he really thinks he's murdering him. Yeah, you see the blood. How crazy yep. is that? You see yeah. him projecting the blood out and he's like not moving. And at that point, I was just like, what is happening? Right, what, what is happening right now? Like it really was like, are we about to like zoom off a of VR? And it's like, he's pretending to be a 1950s guy. It's just like at a mall like VR game that's like oh man I was a detective for an hour there like yeah, and you, I love that part I love because this up, part. and then incredible you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is having these visions his wife is telling him he needs to leave he keeps seeing dead children but we're just attributing that to the war you know he worked it was the holocaust like this I mean we all know the history of this and he, he also was, said his two kids were killed as part of the burning from Andrew so like he right. was so it's like, we're just imagining that his, you know, it's just his kids he's seeing and everything. And it's like, right, then, or even just trauma of like, you know, working you know, yeah, exactly. yeah, of, of the war and just, you know, also how beautiful and- were all of the flashbacks with his wife, like the color of her dress oh, and yeah. coloring and like the image of when he's holding her. And she turns to Ash and like just crumbles in his arms mm-hmm. is I think one of the most beautiful images I've seen in the last 15 years of movies being made. It was just perfect use of CGI. The CGI in this movie is not used to like make like creatures or like intense the gore. It's made to make things more exaggerated and more saturated at points and appear more off or not real. As opposed to like so many, I just think the CGI that Martin Scorsese uses in this movie is really effective, including like the color saturation in this flashbacks. So all of this comes to light. He's finally confronting Ben Kingsley. And then all of a sudden Ben Kingsley is basically like, no, like you're this guy, like the names you're using are anagrams. And then like start showing him like the pictures of his dead children. And you're like, what the and he still can't it's look at happening. these pictures. Yeah. And he's Whoa, I mean, I wouldn't be able to look at them, but it's like no. crazy because you're like, okay, hold the phone. Like, no, that Rachel Solando chick, she's the one that drowned her kids. And then you find out like Rachel's actually his daughter. And then like putting how they piece it all together was wild to me of just like yeah. how his delusion was just such like a, so parallel to his actual life that he like knew that his family was dead. He knew the name of the guy that killed him because it's his name. Mm-hmm. And then I will say the worst part of this movie, though, is like, I don't know if I needed the flashback of him living through this, but I guess you needed it because you needed to know that he really was crazy. Like, they weren't lying. Yeah. Also, Dr. Chuck walks through the door 
He's not his and partner. He's a psychiatrist. He's a psychiatrist. He's like, I'm the only one who could get you to trust this far along. Like you're really hard to like work with and like everything. So like I knew it had to be me. And I mean, you can see uh, one of the things I definitely looked at in this watch, especially is I looked at the actors who weren't Teddy and multiple uh, weren't Leonardo DiCaprio in multiple scenes. And there was a genuineness on Chuck Mark Ruffalo's face. I do not think this was like a trick or them acting like doctors. I feel like this was the doctors really trying to help a patient who is just lost at sea for a lack of a better term. And I did think the flashback was super necessary because it shows basically his wife just snapping. Doesn't even show them being murdered actually. Uh, it just shows yeah, her God. sitting on, shows her sitting on, it's almost more disturbing to me that it just shows her sitting on the swing. The swing, yeah. So picturesque. And then he sits down, he's talking to his wife and then he's like, where are the kids? And like, and then he- She says goes, they're in school. <laughs> yeah, says they're in school, it's Saturday. And this all seems very, very much like how it happened. We've seen in these other flashbacks, there's certain aspects that are very off or seem like that really how it happened. Here, I didn't have any of that doubt. I haven't really. This seems like what happened. He goes in, that reaction he has is just gut-wrenching. He honestly kind of has that scream from uh, Gilbert Grape for a second, just as an adult in all seriousness, where he's just retching, yeah. uh, which it's just absolutely a dark scene for sure. Really disturbing, but very necessary I think solidify the ambiguity of this movie, which is that it, he was concealing his own tragedy to try to live as this hero in this delusion. He ends up shooting his wife um, when he gets up there, you know, and killing her. Which I don't think that makes him crazy. I think that makes him right. But it's murder. I don't care. That That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but it, it, and the other thing is, though, now he's killed his I wife. I just think if I was on that jury, I wouldn't have convicted him. So the jury doesn't know who drowned the kids at this point either. So now it's the word of a man who's murdered his wife in cold blood that he didn't also murder his kids. So it is plays into the possible tragedy of the movie that he ended up here because they pled guilty because it's like this guy killed his kids and his wife and he's just saying that his wife did it and he killed her because of that and then another view could be that this flashback was a way of teddy trying to tell himself that he didn't kill his kids and he killed his wife out of a righteous move in a way you know and but either way, th there's no right answer. And all of them are tragic in very different but equal ways. Um, right, because it, he has the guilt of, you know, it's my fault because I didn't help her. Mm -hmm, which is exactly. why I think he also has such a disdain for people with mental health issues. Because He's somebody with, obvious, obviously, his people don't go and drown their children. Yeah, so. this is, it's just a complete illustration of self-hate. And Shutter Island shot her island. Sweet Lord. I've been waiting all episode for that one. God. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Like, I could have just not said it, too. But I was like, hey, I think this has something to do with it. Shot her island. He shot her. He's on an island. Case closed. God. Maybe I should be on this island. <laughs> Point that. Yes. People. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely kind of look like that crazy lady in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I, I have beautiful blue eyes, I've been told by myself. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Any other kind of thoughts on Shutter Island, things that you would like to touch on before we kind of get to our closing thoughts? I will say that I was definitely shocked. I did not see it coming that he was actually nuts. 
And I, I don't think I totally believed it until they showed us the flashback. I just didn't like it because it was just a hard watch. But yeah, I always felt the twist was when he was with that girl in the cave and they were basically like, this is what's happening to you. And I was like, yes, this is what's happening. Like, Get you away. need to shut this down. The you need to shut this shit down. Because mm-hmm. like, it's brilliant. You're through Tay's perspective. You're rooting for Teddy. Like, you right. just are until you're not. And then you're like, oh, God damn it, Teddy, you oh, psycho. Let's talk about the very end. Yes. Do you think that he really reverted back or do you think he just acted like that so he could get his lobotomy and get put out of his misery? I think he acted like that to get put out of his misery. Yeah, me too. I don't think he reverted back. I think he was very lucid and I think he knew the, I think he was lucid enough to know the consequence. I think the last line says it all when he says, would you rather live? Yeah. Be a monster or die a hero. And this was his way to finally die a hero. Getting lobotomized is essentially the death of yourself, you know? And yeah, I just think a part of him knows this wasn't the first time he was being revealed this information. And it was a cycle that he was going to be unaware he was continuing to be a part of. And this was his way to die a hero. In a and, or not even die a hero. It was just a way to be at peace. He yeah. Never, but he, I, mean, you know I, I mean, he was never going to get better. They've medicated him. They did all this stuff. It got to the point where he knew that he was never going to get away from this. I think in a sense, providing peace for himself as being a hero to himself. So I guess that's just kind of my read on it. But yeah, I just, I think that last line solidifies it because that's literally the last line of the movie. And right. then, yeah, I just. You just see him walking off. Exactly. See him walking off. Uh, I just think it would have been so stupid if it like ended with like another boat in the distance. Like they're doing again, like just adjusting. Like what? Like we don't, we didn't need to see the, the I, I think that is my belief after multiple viewings at this point. So yeah, we want to get into our final thoughts and ratings. I guess let's stick with you for any final thoughts you have in your rating, you know, and then I'll kind of bring us home before we get over to our recommendations. Okay, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I really like Martin Scorsese and, and Leonardo DiCaprio. But like at the same time, I was like, some of this stuff is just a little over the top. It was just a little dramatic for me. I love when you call dramas dramatic. I know. It was just I was like, <laughs> but like sometimes I'm like, this is just so extra. Like, stop. This is annoying. I just felt like some there was like too much stuff that was just shock value. I did say I did not see this twist coming. I definitely mm-hmm. thought I was like, I'm so smart. Like I know it's gonna go <laughs> down here. But I just kind of like yeah, I enjoyed it. I probably would watch it again. I don't know if I would think it's like the best. I'll give it a three and a half. All right. You love giving like some of my favorite movies. If I say it's one of my favorites, you're just going to be like three and a half. Right? It was like, it was fine. Like I enjoyed it because I enjoy watching Leonardo DiCaprio. And I think that's yeah. like, I think Mark if somebody Ruffalo. else was in this, I don't know if it would have been as good. Like if I would have liked it as much. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. And definitely every, I, I was always, always a, uh, appreciate your opinion and difference of opinion here because i did not have this at three and a half it's not a five star don't worry it's four and a half though for me it is a ton of fantastic performances i've been really deep into noir films lately so maybe i really like the odes to these movies i've been watching anyways i think it's shot beautifully that just the scene of him holding the his burning wife alone I think this is better than Inception. I think this belongs where Inception does on the like mind bendy sci-fi dark noir. So to me, like this over Inception for sci-fi where it's like there's ambiguous ending. And yeah, I just, it's so rewatchable and so much fun to rewatch because there's different things to notice and pick through each time. 
yeah, it's it's one of my favorite movies of the last 10 to 15 years now. So I just think that for Scorsese, it was nice to see Scorsese having so much fun and being so over the top too. He's just like not usually like this. So I appreciate all that. So yeah, that's one of my favorites. So four and a half. That leaves us with an average of four. I can do that math in my head. Very, very solid average score there. And Definitely respectable. I'd be curious in a year or two if you watched it, what you thought of it. Yeah, I definitely think this is a show that, or this is a movie that actually does better on its rewatches. This was not a four and a half out of five for me the first watch. I will say that much. So I do really understand. There's just a lot of these parts, I think, without trying to like, poison the well or anything a lot of these parts as you do it on a rewatch after forgetting some of this movie in a year or two i think are going to be things that you're not as frustrated with being more aware of where the story's going or where we believe that the story went so either way um this was a fun conversation about a really fun movie that i know a lot of people have seen been on a lot of the streaming platforms but i just think like inception's brought up all the time a few other yeah. movies like I think this is way more fun and interesting and emotional. And it was just like, again, Martin Scorsese, the gangster guy. And like, it's just like, this is, you wouldn't have known this is a Scorsese movie if it didn't say that. So the gangster guy. Yeah. Like, it's cool to see that. So um, next week we got, we've gone from Hitchcock, well, Spielberg to Hitchcock to mystery to, there's no other place we could go, but the Arquettes. Of yeah, course. That is the only, like, that's the only place we can go from mystery movies. The Arquettes, not just David, not just Roseanne, not just Patricia, Alexis as well. All the Arquette. Any, any Arquette. Any Arquette will do. So do you have any suggestions for Arquette week? I know, I don't know how many Arquette movies I'm going to watch this week. I'll be honest. Like Hitchcock uh, week, I'm, like, I'm going to watch like five. I think I might watch maybe one or two other Arquette movies, maybe. And that might yeah, be Yeah, I'm like still watching Hitchcock movies. <laughs> Let's see. I will do, because I don't think I've ever seen this all the way through. And if I have, I was very young. I will, <laughs> for David Arquette, I will do Eight-Legged Freaks. <laughs> okay. Because right. I've seen all the screams. I've not, and, I've, yeah. And Patricia Arquette, God, I freaking love her. I'll do Ed Wood because I've seen like her Ooh. other big ones. Ed Wood, that would that's got to raise the eyebrows of like the little, Caleb little Boatman. Tim Burton. That's yeah, weird, the right? Caleb Boatmans of the world, the Andrew Bars seem like they all would love Ed Wood. <laughs> I just I get the feeling Kirk Kowalski even has it rated high. My picks are going to be of the highbrow variety, yes. and we're going with my boy Adam Sandler for both of these. If we're not going to have a Sandler week, I'm going to force a Sandler week with two different <laughs> Patricia, with one Patricia Arquette performance from, I do not, I cannot stress this enough. One of my favorite movies of all time. It is in my top 20. It is top <laughs> five comedy. Top it is in my top, legitimately in my top 20. It is Little Nicky starring Adam Sandler, also with Patricia Arquette playing the main a love interest. So good. Like, this it movie is, is so good. Incredible. I love this as a seventh grader. I love it as an eighth grader, ninth grader, and a 23rd grader that I am today. Or whatever grade I am, I would be in today. But oh my God, I could recite this whole movie. I have seen it ungodly amount of times, but uh, I had to bring that up. The opportunities there, I'm going to do it. My other one is a rom-com essential for me. I'm not sure how in the world but i did discuss this with christina before the podcast for a second but somehow she literally took my breath away more so than I usual did. I did. uh literally i did the macaulay culkin like <gasps> and like screamed almost except i had no air left in my lungs from it all being exhaled it is 
Adam Sandler's, along with 51st Dates, but 51st Dates doesn't have an Arquette in it. Rom-com classic, and I mean classic, Wedding Singer. Christina has not seen Wedding Singer, people. What the fuck? There's not a discussion, but Christina, what is your pick for a recommendation? <laughs> Mine is Wedding Singer. I'm oh, not I can't. Thinking. Oh, I'm not allowed to pick Wedding Singer. I mean, you can pick something else, but you're not going to win, is my point. Like, there's no way. All right. Well, then I will say Ed Wood, and then I will be happy to watch your pick. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll do you a favor. Ed Wood will be my other Arquette movie I definitely watch this week. So I'll watch that. But we don't have a choice here, guys. I got to see the Wedding Singer poster. It's going to be fantastic. 80s, just greatness personified in this movie. The soundtrack. Alexis Arquette is the Arquette that's in this movie, and she plays an incredible role in this movie too an absolutely amazing role i cannot wait for next week wedding singer is the choice christina are you managing any more in the schmodown because i need more of that in my life roxy is back so roxy is handling managing duties but yeah it was definitely a lot of fun to do that it's so. so fun to see go check out the match with brandon hannah and go check out match with Slick Nick, uh, Mr. Nick Hartley, where you misidentify whatever that jersey was. He didn't have to be so snobby about it. He could have said, I well, thought it was a hockey jersey, no? It sure looked like a hockey. He was like, no, it's not. It was probably some like Harry Potter. That's because jersey. I was nervous and I didn't know what to say because I knew, it was that, good, but I knew yeah. that we were like, we'll probably spin off of sports. So I needed to make it seem like we still wanted yeah. sports. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't explain what the jersey was. So it's not your fault. But yeah. yeah. Either way, go check out those matches. Just skip around to when you see Christina's face, if nothing else. And I put, like, makeup on, so I looked really good, too. You looked fantastic. And uh, I I hate to be one of these Reddit commenters, but Christina really would make a great manager. Oh, (laughs) people are saying nice things about me on Reddit. That's that's It's like their way of saying you're a terrible player, I feel like. But still. They're not wrong. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) So it's like, but you're a great manager. They're not saying anything I didn't know. I never claimed to be a great player. There are so many bad players that are also bad managers, though. So, like, honestly, I'm a great example of that. But anyways, for Aaron and Christina next week, on episode 39 it's our cat week and we're doing wedding singer and this is going to be a party you're gonna check it out but thank you so much for joining us keep shuttering and keep digesting cinema absolutely getting terrible with these my god